Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Merrill Frank. Merrill Frank is an American politician, nonprofit executive, diplomat, and author. She earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in history from Rutgers University, followed by a Master's in Political Science, Master of Arts in International Relations, and Master of Public Health from Yale University. Merrill helped author legislation for President Clinton, including the Family and Medical Leave Act of 1993, and New Jersey Governor Thomas Keene. She was mayor of Highland Park, New Jersey from 2000 to 2010. In 2015, Variety reported that Merrill Frank had been named the executive director of FilmAid. In January 2022, she was appointed to serve as a member of the United States Holocaust Memorial Council. In 2023, Hachette Books released Meryl Frank's memoir of searching for the history of her family lost in the Holocaust, Unearthed, a Lost Actress, a Forbidden Book, and a Search for Life in the Shadow of the Holocaust. Welcome, Meryl. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, first off, thank you for a remarkable story and for taking readers along with you as you unearth the story of your cousin, Franya Winter. Um, I'd love to start by asking you if you can Tell me how this story came about um, and maybe a little bit about your Aunt Molly and how she figures into all of this. Well, I think this story was always brewing. I was the one in my family that was sort of designated as the memorial candle, the one that would remember the family history. And my Aunt Molly spoke to me from very, very young, very small child about the family in Vilna and spoke in glowing terms about Vilna and um, my family there. And my aunt had a sort of salon where she would invite artists and poets to come to the home. And Molly visited there in 1932. And I learned the street that they lived on. I learned what it looked like. And, but everything stopped. The discussion stopped when it got to the war. And all that she said is, they're all gone. They didn't make it. And so I always had an interest and the interest was really sparked in some way, in some places because of the photographs that I'd look at as a child. You know, we had those old fashioned photographs that were on the, the hard stock with, you know, we all have these where the grandparents are standing there very serious and stern. And, but there was one who, one in the family who was just alive and beautiful and dressed in costumes. And that was my cousin actress, Franya Winter. She seemed to me to be the most sexy, interesting, fun woman that I'd ever seen. And, and you know, all of them were in black and white, but she just seemed to be in color. She glowed. And so I had this interest in her that was in many ways unfulfilled because they wouldn't tell me anything about her. But when I got older, when I was grown, my aunt gave me a book called 21 and One, which was in Yiddish. And she showed me the page with Franya, and there was a photo of her. And she said, I want you to take this book. I want you to keep it and hand it to your children, but don't ever read it. Well, it, it, that wasn't hard because I don't read Yiddish, but um, I could have had it translated. And in fact, one time I attended. I approached a man who had been my Yiddish professor at Rutgers, Moshe Moskowitz, and he read the chapter on Franya and he said, don't read it. So I put it back on my bookshelf for 20 years. 
And it wasn't until eight years ago when I received an email from the Memorial de la Shoah in Paris that they had received 50 photographs of an actress in costume and her family from a man who found it in a house that was about to be demolished. And he held on to those photographs for 40 years and then delivered them to the memorial. And they, she was enchanted by these, this actress too, and spent five months and found me and wrote to me and said, this is the, the archivist wrote to me and said, do you know who this is? And of course I did. And flew off to Paris. And after seeing the photographs, I thought, I need to write this down. The Holocaust has been with me my entire life. You know, I have read everything that I could get my hands on. And I knew that there was something that I had to do. I think um, it's such a, if I may, important uh, bit of work to realize all of these lives and the lives that were lived out in Yiddish and theater and all aspects of culture, that this was a vibrant young culture that was flourishing. And to be able to go back and, and revisit their lives is quite a gift um, to be able to begin to explore that. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that in terms of how surprised you were by what you uncovered and also what your family's reaction was to all of this. Well, what I uncovered was, was very interesting because part of it was um, part of the, the book smugglers or the paper brigade collection. That is, information on the Yiddish theater in Vilna was buried beneath the ghetto and recovered after. I have my own theory, and that is one of the paper brigade was a woman who at YIVO had been their theater historian. And I believe she understood that this theater material was important. And so it was buried. And there I was able to find the actors, my cousin's actor's union card and posters and um, programs from plays that she was in and a lot, an awful lot about her lover, who was Rudolf Zaslavsky. Mm-hmm. And Rudolf Zaslavsky is a very interesting character. The New York Times said that he was the, in 1924, said that he was the Edwin Booth of the Soviet stage. Um, but so there was just a tremendous amount of information there. And also in the archives in Vilnius, where I've visited many times now and was able to dig up again posters, but also basic information, vital statistics, her, her census, you know, Fania on the census and her applications for, um, for passport, which was interesting because I could, I was able to trace where she went with the acting troops. She went to France, she went to Romania, she went to Poland. And then I also looked through newspapers in different languages, in Russian, in Yiddish, in Polish, um, for any any mention of her. And I was able to determine what place she was in, when she was in them, um, with whom she was acting, who was directing, and try to come up with a feeling for, for the type of actress she was, and, and the range that she had. She was a comic actress. She was a dramatic actress. And in those days, the theater was very interesting because it was, it was changing from, from sort of a vaudeville type um, theater to very serious and avant-garde theater. And she was part of the whole thing. 
She was in Shalom Ash's Matka the Thief, Matka the Thief. And she played a tightrope walker <laughs> and um, prostitute. And so she ranged from playing a little boy to playing a prostitute. And it's fascinating because this is a woman who came from a Hasidic background. She had to, she, her father became blind and she had to help support the family. And so she went out and started singing in cabarets. And, you know, I wonder how she knew the songs to sing, but she was obviously talented because mm -hmm. she made it to the height of the Yiddish stage. And it was just a fascinating woman. There are references to her um, in a number of different accounts. Kaczynski calls her one of the finest on the Yiddish stage. Um, and there's another, I found another account of, and this is interesting because another account of a woman who came, an actress who came from Warsaw to Vilna to tell them what was happening. And they had a dinner and a banquet at Franja Winter's home, which, which confirms that it was a salon, you know, a place where mm -hmm. actors went. Um, the most surprising thing I learned really was that she was a famous actress. You know, my family said that she was, but I didn't believe them. I thought, oh, they're just exaggerating. She's probably a C-level actress. She's been in a couple of plays. But the first time I went to Vilnius in, 20, uh, in 2003, I brought my family. And I spoke to some people there and they said, oh, Franja Winters, of course she was. If you knew Yiddish theater, you knew Franja Winter. And, and that surprised me. And then reading all of this and seeing her in these plays and, and she was, they, they talk about her as a diva or a prima donna when, when those words were positive words. <laughs> um, but she, she was just this extraordinary woman. And the other thing that I love about her is every account talks about how kind she was. And that, that's important to know that part of her personality, too, because it helps frame her humanity. You know, she was a fighter. She was a, um, a talented actress, but also a very kind person. And this is from several different accounts. It must be interesting to have the chance to explore an aspect of your family's history um, and one that had a little bit of a legacy in this book and Aunt Molly. Um, and now as you carry on that history by telling the story, but also in terms of discovering the history of Yiddish culture. And I'm wondering how surprised you were again by how cosmopolitan, how global both her experience as an actress was um, and that the, the kinds of plays that she acted in and Yiddish theater in general. What was your reaction as you went through this? You know, I, I, my family was from Vilna and they were very proud. They were snobs about being from Vilna. So I had a sense that this was a center of art and culture. Um, I knew that my aunt went to the theater when she was there. Um, so I had this sense that this was, this was a very special place. And I don't know if it was in retrospect that they were talking about it that way. But in doing all of this research, I found that, in fact, that was true. That Yiddish, let me give you an example. My, my mother, who was born in 1917, when she was a child, she wanted to study Hebrew like her friends. 
And her mother said, why study Hebrew? It's a dead language. You'll study Yiddish. And so she was sent to a Yiddish school and she spoke and could read and write in Yiddish. Um, but that was a very typical attitude of a Vilna Jew. Um, so was I, I was not surprised as, at, at the cosmopolitan nature and the, the, the art and culture and everything that, that made up uh, Vilna because it's what they always spoke about. Um, it's an interesting coincidence as life is always filled with lots of interesting coincidences. But um, at the same time or about the same time that your book came out and we were made aware of it here, um, we're at work completing um, the Yiddish theater section of a forthcoming core exhibit, which is a major endeavor. And the theater sections being finalized by our chief curator, David Mazower, and you mentioned Matka Thief. Um, his great-grandfather was Sholomash. So ah. coincidence here, yes. So he he apparently was very aware of um, Franya. Um, and he mentions her in the theater section. Um, there is a Holocaust section of the exhibit, and it includes photos and short bios of um, many of the hundreds of actors whose biographies are included in the memorial volume of Yiddish theater, the lexicon. Um, but Franya is pulled out in that. So I'm curious to get your reaction to that in terms of, you know, this again, coincidentally, um, positions her in part of um, the larger story um, and tells a very Jewish story. Maybe the question really is, what would Aunt Molly have thought about all of this as she carried this book forward and then passed it on to you and you have told the story? Um, it's pretty incredible that this moment's happening where we are able to really celebrate and tell these important stories you know I'm choked up as you speak about it it's um you know my aunt didn't want me to read it which is so interesting you know that she didn't want me to read the story she didn't want me to note Franya's fate and I didn't read the book for I I, I researched and wrote about this for seven years this was a seven-year project and what I was able to find was testimony of someone who was with her and gave testimony after the war of actress Franja Winters fighting the Nazis and them killing her. So I was able to find out what happened to her and without reading the book 21 and 1. Um, this was, this was, I think, you know, Molly wanted to protect me and she wanted to protect Franya. I didn't understand why she didn't want me to hear it. I thought that either it was a horrible death or maybe Franya did something shameful to stay alive or maybe she was a collaborator. I was very happy to find out that none, that, that was not true. Um, but I think part of my mission was to give them back their personhood. They were meant to be erased. And by doing this work and in some ways unearthing what happened to Franya and the information on her, not only was I able to give her back her humanity and her voice, but I was able to find some peace doing that too. It was as if there was a mission that I was meant to do. 
And I spent an entire life in public service and doing the sort of work I did on, on social justice because of the Holocaust and because of my family. And, but it never quenched that, that thirst. And doing this book and finding out about Franya and uncovering all of this information and eventually going to where she was killed. In doing that, I was able to do, to do her justice and also find some peace. Mm-hmm. You write about this beautifully um, and take us along on this journey. I'm curious to ask, you said you, you, know, you worked on the book for seven years, and I don't want to speak specifically about it because I, it's, it's a book that people need to read um, without knowing sort of all of the little steps along the way. Um, but when you started out, um, with this, and then seven years later, when it becomes a published work, did it change for you where you thought, you know, the direction you thought it would go in or what the journey was going to be for you? I didn't know where it was going to lead. I just knew that I had to do this. And I didn't know until the book was finished where it was going to lead. Isn't that interesting? It, it was not like I had this big outline. I had vignettes. And, and I needed to pull that all together, but I didn't see until the end where this book was leading. I was also able to find information six years into this that I didn't know existed. And it changed some of the direction of the book. Look, the, this is a Holocaust story, but there's more to it than that. I think what is unique about this is it doesn't end with her death. Um, from there, I actually interviewed my children who've grown up knowing about the Holocaust and hearing me. My kids would say to me, no Holocaust books on vacation, mom. You know, they didn't want to hear it anymore. They knew, they knew. But um, what I learned from them was that they, that they took away from it something very interesting and and something that I learned from, you know, when my children were little, they told me, I didn't know this then, they would play the Holocaust game and they would hide under the covers and say, they're coming, they're coming. And I was horrified when they told me this. I thought that I had, you know, damaged my poor babies and my kids, I have four grown kids. They said, no, 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 you, you didn't paralyze us. You didn't make us paranoid, but you did make us aware and aware of the family, aware of the family history, and also aware of the dangers, and that the world isn't always a beautiful place. And they also said that I gave them some agency. And, you know, I didn't, re- it was not my superior parenting, believe me, I didn't know I was doing any of this. But that they had a sense that when they saw injustice, they needed to take a stand and speak out. And so I think it gave them, rather than than the darkness of the Holocaust. It gave them a sense of it and to be aware, but also that they needed to do something. I I think you write beautifully about that in the book. Um, And I think there's something so Jewishly infused, if I may, the idea of celebrating life and not erasing Franya, so important. Yes. And for us to understand agency and to understand speaking out and and that thread of... um, continuation um, of of all of these aspects of a shared culture um, that we we push forward 
through this. Um, and again, I think it's a it's a book that really drives that that home. How Thank you know you. the story of one one woman can be so powerful and in reminding us that we we move we move these stories ahead and you sort of touched on this now but i would love to conclude by asking you what you do hope that um, readers will take away from the book there's a few things it's interesting i didn't realize that so many people would be interested in their own lives because of it and their own family and i think I think that's because when we look back and we do these family histories and you know, so many people are interested in that now, it provides a context for who we are and what we believe and where we come from. And that's very important. You know, I, I, I always watch Henry Louis Gates, Finding Your Roots, and every single one of his celebrities cries. And I think the reason they cry is because they, they have this context now. They know, they know who they are. And so I hope people do get, get a sense of that and that they can find out about their, their own stories. You know, it's more than a family tree, a story. But I also hope that people get this sense that these are dark issues and we live in times where we have to deal with dark, very dark issues. You know, for my children, when I spoke to them about it, of course, the Holocaust and rising anti-Semitism is frightening to them. But climate change is frightening to them, too. And I think the same lesson comes out of this. If, if you are afraid of the world, if you have fear and you have no agency, you have nothing to do with it, no sense of power, it can be debilitating. You can become paranoid. I think that once you sense that you do have some power and you can do something about it and you have to do something about it, that that in some ways lifts you out of it and, and can help change things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the message here is that when we see injustice, we need to speak out and we need to do something. And I think Franya's life was a good example of that. Um, and so, um, Meryl, I wanna thank you for joining me today. Um, thank you for the, the book, um, which again, for our listeners is Unearthed, A Lost Actress, A Forbidden Book, and A Search for Life in the Shadow of the Holocaust by Meryl Frank. Um, and I do hope that you will stop by the Yiddish Book Center uh, when we open either on October 15th or after to see Franya as part of the theater exhibit. Um, I'll be there. I'll okay. be there. Thank you. Thank you again. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.